It's Sunday night, and we've been teaching. I'm just back for one Sunday. This is my second Sunday. I had some blood clots on my lungs, and I stayed on uh, blood thinner until the doctors did a scan on me and said they had dissolved. So I'm back to teaching, and I've been teaching on Sunday night on Revelation and on prophecy, Daniel, and all these verses that are about prophecy. I believe we're really close to the end of time and the end of all things. The main reason I believe we're close to the end of time is because there's so much apostasy in the world, so much false doctrine is going on. I don't hear anybody that I consider a good, reliable teacher. There are some people that are close that are straddling the fence, like John MacArthur. He straddles the fence on Christmas. He straddles the fence on baptism. He knows that baptized does not mean to dip in water. I've heard him say that. He knows that Christmas is the feast of Saturn, that it was a birthday, December the 25th, the birthday of Mithra in the ancient world. But John is going to go ahead and do Christmas to glorify God with this pagan holiday. Uh, John was one of my big disappointments back in in the 80s. I thought he really believed predestination. He'll preach some messages really good, and then he'll compromise on others and say, how does predestination and free will walk hand in hand? He'll say, I don't know, but it does. No, it doesn't, John. Not at all. And there's some things he just doesn't study. I'm teaching you about the word thousand. Thousand is a very interesting word. The writers tell us that thousand, this has to do with no millennium, no thousand year reign. No millennium. Millennium is the word M-I-L-L-E-N-I-U-M. Millennium in our language means thousand years. Thousand years. It comes from mill and anum. Now, the man who translated the Bible, I don't believe they knew much of anything about numbers. I've been studying numbers for years. I've got, I would buy books. I'd go into, uh, go online, look at uh, uh, certain books that people would have on numbers. I've got histories of numbers. I had a book that somebody took from my library. I don't know what happened to it. But it was called The History of Zero. And they say in that book that zeros were not in first century Greek. That was in the, in the, uh, uh, that was over in the Egyptian, but it was not in the Greek language. They didn't have any zeros. They had, they had these numbers, one, two, three, and they had the, the, uh, the numbers that are figures, and then they had a thousand. Thousand was the number M. And in the Bible, when the Bible mentions thousand, it mentions kilia or some form of kilia. I've got a paper here out of one of my out of one of my uh, parsing guides, one of my analytical lexicons, and it'll give you all these different words. It's kilia, kiliarkos, and then it has kiliar. Khan, Kiliar 
Kos, commander of a thousand men. Then it has Kiliarchos, again, nominative, singular, masculine. It has all these ways for it. It has Kilioi, Kilios, and Kilios is feminine gender. How in the world can a number be feminine gender? A number can't. Anytime you have, anytime you have a number, just a number, like one, two, three, four, five, those are all adjectives. If I say five deer ran across the road, five would be tell how many deer. Uh, adjectives tell which, what kind of, how many. So five would be an adjective. And so that would be five deer. Now, the word thousand is similar to the word deer. If you don't put five deer, and if you say the deer ran across the road, how many ran across the road? If you say the deer ran across the road. What do you mean one? What if it was a hundred? See, deer can mean any number. It can be one or fifty, right? Fifty deer. So deer is a noun. It's a noun, and it could be one or any number of them. That's the way thousand is. Thousand. Let me read something to you about thousand. I've got it in a here in a, uh, and this is important because there is no thousand year reign. Thousand is a noun. It was originally a noun, and you have to have. Well, let me read it here. Unlike cardinal numbers, this is called a cardinal number here. One, two, three, four, five, six, so forth. A cardinal number are numbers that line up in a sequence. They're numbers. Unlike cardinal numbers up to 99, the word thousand is a noun like dozen or deer and needs a determiner to function as a numeral. This is a numeral right here. In the Greek, you have to have a determiner. A determiner would be five, or the, or a, or an. In the Greek, this comes out of one of my Greek books, Mr. Mounts, they will tell you that we have three articles In the English, uh, a deer and apple. If you have a deer and an apple, there could be more deer and more apples, right? But if it says the apple, that's a particular apple in a qualified sense that there's no other apple but that one. The deer would be the deer that I shot. That qualifies one deer. In the Greek, there are no A's and ands. How can you tell if it's one, thousand, two thousand, or what? The only way you can tell is if it has a determiner, the, the, or A. It won't say A. How can you tell if it's A or an? The only way you can tell that is by the context, and we've been talking about that. 
concerning the so-called thousand-year reign. I said it last week. What gets me about the so-called thousand-year reign, that was something that was brought to America in the 1830s by a man named J.N. Darby. And Mr. Darby was an Englishman, and he was preaching in a revival, and a young girl stood up in the revival and said, I had a vision that Christ is going to come back before the tribulation, and she spun that tale in this meeting, and she's about 14 years old. And they believed it, and Mr. Darby brought that to America and began to propagate that, and because he brought the pre-trib rapture to America, and we there's not going to be a pre-trib rapture, we're going to be changed at the last trump, and at the last trump, that'll be seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10, seven trumpets, when the last one sounds, the mystery of God, notice, when the seventh trumpet sounds, the last trumpet, there's several things that happen. The last trumpet, I went through this last week. But let me put it this way. The mystery of God, of God, is finished And that word finished is teleos, T-E-L-E-I-O-S. It means complete. And you're going to find what the mystery of God is when you go over here to Ephesians 3 and you go over to Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 5, the Bible says that the mystery of God is the church that the Gentiles will be fellow heirs. Why is it a mystery? Because God doesn't reveal himself to anyone but his elect. So it's a mystery to all the world, but it's not a mystery to us. So when he says, at the last trump, at the seventh trump, several things will happen. The mystery of God will be finished. Number two, the seventh trumpet will sound, seventh trumpet, will sound and that's when Jesus puts one foot on the land one foot on land now when we are changed he's going to put one foot on the land the other on the sea and he's going to say number four time is no more now most people say right after this the thousand-year reign starts. What? If Jesus says time is no more, and he conquers all of his enemies, you'll find that in Revelation eleven fifteen. Revelation eleven fifteen, and the Bible says the last enemy that'll be destroyed is death. There in First Corinthians fifteen. So death is the last enemy. So nobody's going to be dying after the seventh trumpet. Our bodies will be changed at this last trump. Time is over, so there'll be no thousand-year reign after that. And this won't be at the beginning of a seven-year tribulation. Most people say, well, you got the tribulation period, and God's going to rapture us out here, and there's going to be people dying all the way through that tribulation. 
But I thought that the last enemy, the destroyer, is death, and that'll happen at the seventh or the last trump, and time is no more. If there's a pre-trib rapture, then people will be dying all through that that seven-year period. And then Satan, they say, is going to rise up at the end of that at the end of that thousand year. How can Satan rise up? Because when he takes us out, he conquers all of his enemies. And they say that people are going to die all through this thousand year. And they're going to die through all this seven-year tribulation. That's, that's ridiculous. It just is not right. Now, so there's not a thousand years, and I'm trying to show you that. Show you what there is another number for a thousand years. Just go back over there to Revelation 21, or 20, excuse me. The whole purpose of the thousand years, I know some people were confused last week, and I'm going to say this again, then get on with this other word, this the same word for thousand, but the only way you can tell what it is, if it's 8,000 years, you cannot tell unless you look at the context. If it's 2,000, and it has to be 2,000 because the whole purpose of the so-called millennium, which it's not, it's not a thousand years, it's at least 2,000 years. When the Bible says here, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. Let me say this again because that is the worst translation I've ever seen in the Bible. It's not a bottomless pit. The word is a busos, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. And the reason those Roman Catholics translated bottomless pit, it's our word abyss. We look down in an abyss, some deep canyon, look down into Carlsbad Caverns, and we say, that's mysterious. What is there? We don't know what's there. That's actually what abyss means. It comes from the word bathos. Bathos means a place of great knowledge. Placing the alpha privative in front of a word negates the word. It negates, when you place the alpha in front of bathos, it translates abusos. They translate it bottomless pit. It means a place of no knowledge. That's what it means. It doesn't mean some hole in the ground that don't have a bottom to it. It comes out on the other side of the earth. And you just fall all the way through this hole in the ground. And you fall into space on the other side of the world. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's what a bottomless pit would be. It's not a bottomless pit. It's a place of no knowledge. And the angel comes down with a key. Uh, <clears throat> comes down from heaven with a key for the place of no knowledge. And a great chain is in his hand. It's not the word chain. It just means to be bound. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, there's one reason for the binding. One reason. Bound. Deal. Forbid. Satan is forbidden from doing something for this 2,000 year period. Let me put it this way on the board. It's really simple. It's not, it's not hard at all. This is the way that it lays out in time. Right here. Maybe you can see it better this way. There's no thousand year period. 
There's no pre-trib rapture. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last time. An eye twinkles about one billionth of a second. Nobody's going to see Jesus. He will appear in the sky. Poof, it's gone. You're gone. I couldn't say poof at one billionth of a second. It'll just be a twinkle. And we'll be gone. And they won't be dead people. There won't be people alive on earth and dead people all around. People said, where do these people disappear to? And their clothes are laying out there. That's, that's dumb. It's crazy. Here's the way it is. This is the way it is. From Adam until Jesus is a period. It's not dispensations. That is not it. It's just from Adam until Christ and the people that God saved, it, whether it was Isaiah or Jeremiah or Hosea or Joel or Amos or any of those Old Testament prophets, Samuel, uh, any of them, they weren't invited to come in. God had them picked out just like he does us before the foundation of the world. Then he'd go to them and say, Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and ordained you to, to be a prophet to the nation. So they're saved the same way we are by grace through faith. They're looking forward to the Messiah. And then you have this 2,000-year period. 2,000-year period. Then you have the end of time. End of time. No pre-trib rapture. No, that would come on the end of the 2000. No pre-trib rapture. No, no thousand year reign. Just this right here. This is all it is. So the Bible says Satan was bound. We're going to erase this 2000 years. That's not it. It's real simple. It's this, this, and it's just two sections. Now, some say that man had six days to work. According to the Bible, according to the Bible, from Adam until Jesus was 4,000 years. And then 2,000 years. This would be right here. The 2,000 years would be the last days. Now, this is where this is where the change would come in thousand as far as plural or singular. Remember, I told you that if you read uh, Mr. Bullinger, his book on numbers, him and many others, I've got them in my library, they'll tell you that any time you have zeros, that those are a form of the original number. If it's 1,000, it's singular. Or if it's 2,000, 2,000 is a form of two. That's plural. Now, whenever I tell you, I, I didn't, I'm not guessing at this. I've got a book on etymology of numbers. It's a mathematical book. It has no religious leanings whatsoever. It's just a math book. When Mike was teaching out at Tennessee State, he was teaching algebra out there or something like that. And when he was out there teaching, he, I asked him, I said, can you go to their, their bookstore and see if they've got any books on etymology? Of numbers. That's a history of numbers. And Mike went in there and they had 
at least two copies. He got him a copy and me a copy. I wish I'd have brought that. I'll bring it next week. And it was Entomology of Numbers. And they will tell you in there that there are peculiarities in numbers. They, they tell you all kinds of things. We talked about 153. 153, which is, I've had mathematicians come here and say, have you ever heard of 153? I say, yes. They say it's a... It's like a special number in mathematics. Well, that's amazing because you have all the numbers of the alphabet in Greek. All these numbers were given a value. You had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and so forth, up to 100, and then you go to 200, 300, and so forth. Well, whenever you... You have something called gematria, and people will call this, they will call this, they'll call it, well, that's superstition. It's not superstition. It's actuality. It's true. I've, I've done this before and shown it to people. You've got to learn, getting into numbers, God has given us some magnificent things concerning numbers in the Bible. 11 and 2 go together, 4 and 7 all through the Bible. I don't have time to go into all that. I'll just go into this right here. The Jews said that the heir of the kingdom, anyone that was an heir in a family was called a fish. And that's why you'll see a fish on the back of a car like that. It's supposed to be a Christian symbol, but they've made something else out of it because uh, the Roman Catholics wouldn't eat meat on Friday. They'd eat fish, and that's because, that's because Friday is Freya. It's the word Freya. Freya Day or Friday, and Freya was identified. That was a goddess in the ancient world, was identified with Venus, with Venus, and so they didn't eat meat, they ate fish, honoring Venus, or Freya. And, but the Christians had their view of that. That was because that uh, uh, the mother gave birth out of a lake, and for 40, there's four and seven, 47s or nine months, was the time, was the gestation time of a baby in their womb, and they called the baby a fish. I've got all kinds of things on that. I did about 15 messages just on gematria, and people say, oh, that's, that's some old Jewish superstition. No, it's not. Let me show you something. The uh, I'll show you this. Look here in, in uh, Romans. 8, Romans 8. I'm going to talk about this thing, thousands, so we can get into when it's used as 1,000. If it's used with other numbers that connote that it's singular, and it does, but this 2,000 years, well, let me go ahead and, and give this to you. I need to go back and finish that up. Okay, Romans 6, 
Romans 6, excuse me, not 6, 8, Romans 8. And he says here, in verse 17, we'll read 16, 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. The word joint heirs. Here's the word. In the Greek. Right here. J-O-I-N-T-H-E-I-R-S. Not S there. Joint heirs, plural. Here's what it is in the Greek. Uh, J-O-I-N-T-H. That's a breathing sound there, but it has a value. E-I-R-S. Joint heirs adds up to 1,071. 1,071 is seven times 153. Seven times. Seven times 153. And look over here in the 21st chapter of John. In the in this mathematical book, it will tell you that 153 is a narcissistic number. 153 is narcissistic. Narcissistic number. A narcissist is someone who is into themselves. All they think about is themselves. Being a narcissistic number, you take 1 to the third power plus... 5 to the third power plus 3 to the third power. 1 times 1 times 1 is 1. 5 times 5 is 25. Times 5 is 125. And 3 and 3 is 9 times 3 is 27. And that adds up to 153. That's a mathematical process that's used on that. It goes back to itself, it's into itself. Now, Sinclair and Amore is seven times 153. The air was called, the air was called a fish. Now look over here in John. I like teaching on this, but I like to prepare for it. Look over here in John, 21st chapter. And nothing but the sovereignty of God could bring this out. All right. People, you like predestination. This ought to be more than that because this is going to show you something that's down to the fine points. <clears throat> Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And you go here and he's resurrected. He's already talking to his apostles. <clears throat> Verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the same thing as the Sea of Galilee, <clears throat> northern Israel. Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter, Simon Peter number one, 
Thomas called Didymus, number two. Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, number three. And the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. That's five. And two other disciples, seven. There's seven guys going fishing together. Right? Then he says, Simon Peter saith unto the Lord, I'm going fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you'll find fish. They cast therefore. Now they were not able to draw for the multitude of fishes. That word draw is the word helco. That's the same word that Jesus used in John 6.37. He said, No man can come to me except my Father which has sent me draw him. <coughs> is it the fish's will to be drug in to the net? No. It means to drag. No man's coming unless God drags us in. He's going to drag us in. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, always think of, John always referred to himself in the third person. I, you, they. They'd be third person. <clears throat> he said unto him that loved us in Revelation, the first chapter. He said in First John, the fourth chapter, it's not that we love God, but that he loved us. So he's always talking to himself, and so this is talking about John. It is the Lord. Now, when Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring the fish which ye have caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty-three. hundred and fifty-three fish, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Now, that's the same thing. That's a picture of us. We are the 153 fishes. We are the seven times 153. There were seven apostles fishing. They brought in 153 fish. That is not some accident. God guided those fish in there. That's what he wanted them to catch. Now, I'm talking about this word thousand. I was going to give you something else here. So here's what we have. We have 4,000 years. I realize the only part that God counts is what he counts in the scripture. He counts 4,000 years from Adam, not from the beginning, because the beginning it was millions of years ago. The beginning has nothing to do with Adam. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But from Adam until Christ, only 4,000 is counted. And then... Uh, you have from Christ until the end, no thousand years, no 
pre-trib rapture. This 2,000 years right here, the Gentile, the Gentile church will be made up of Gentiles and you cannot deceive them. Cannot deceive. Now you may go out and live for self, but you can't deceive the church. You'll know you're doing wrong and God will convict your heart to get back into fellowship with him. Now this is what the Bible is talking about. Not thousand years, but this right here. From Jesus to the end. That's what the, the 2,000 years should be. Now look back over here at Revelation. Revelation. I'm going slow on this because I want you to see this. The, the thousand year reign didn't make any sense to me. It's all you're going along and uh, you're just running around on earth during a thousand years of peace and, and then somebody comes out on the loudspeaker and say, thousand years is about over. Everybody get prepared. We're going to shift gears and go up to heaven now. I never understood that. If this is so good, why would we leave the earth and go to heaven? Made no sense to me when I was a kid. I thought, that don't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense because we're going to be changed at the last trump. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And it will be at the last trump that it sounds. Now, look back here at Revelation. I've said this. A lot of people are confused. Maybe if I would just leave out this seven-year period of pre-trib rapture, maybe if I just leave out this thousand years, you can see this. Four thousand years to Jesus. Then Jesus, in Acts 2, pours out of his Spirit on all flesh. And that takes you to the end of time. Now, I'm just kind of putting it up there simple so you can see this. <clears throat> And verse 2, chapter 20, he laid hand, laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. It's not a fire-breathing dragon like St. George and the dragon in English mythology. It's not what it is. It's not a dragon, a fire-breathing dragon. The word dragon is dracon. It means to fascinate, make to feel good. To flatter the church, make them feel good. That's what it's about. That's what dragon means. The dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and forbid him for a 2,000-year period. What is he forbidden from doing? It'll tell you in the next verse. And cast him into the bottomless pit, into the place of no knowledge. He actually locked Satan away. Picture the church being Israel right here. Only Israel, for the first 4,000 years, had the truth. None of these, these were all people of no knowledge in the Mediterranean area. And the Mediterranean area was the place of the beast. The beast was Babylon, which had its boundaries on the Mediterranean Sea. Persia, which had its boundaries on the Mediterranean Sea over here to Iran. And then Greece, which had its boundaries on the Mediterranean Sea, and that was a place of no knowledge. None of these people had any knowledge of God, did they? So Satan is bound away, in a spiritual sense, away from Israel, the church, and he and they can, they have no knowledge. 
And Satan is bound away from the church for a 2,000 year period. Because look here what it says. <clears throat> that he should deceive the nations no more till the 2,000 years is finished. You see where it says 8,000 years in verse 2? A is not in the text. There's no indefinite articles in the text. None. It should just say, bound him thousand years. That's what it should say. And then when it says the thousand years, it needs to be the two thousand years because all of it's going to end at the end of time when the seventh trumpet sounds. There'll be no more time. And he's doing this so that the nations cannot be deceived anymore till these 2,000 years is finished. The nations, the word nation is ethnos. Means non-Jews or Gentiles. Now you tell me, where? Where on this right here? In this 4,000 year period from the beginning? Until Jesus, or from Jesus to the end, where on this little simple chart is a group of Gentiles that cannot be deceived anymore? Where? Back here, the Jews were always deceived. Gentiles were always deceived back here. It's not going to be during a thousand year period rain because there's not going to be one. It's in this two thousand year period right here. That's the only thing that makes any sense in this text. Now, there's other verses that have got thousand in it. It's going to have to be according to the text. It either have to be a listing with other numbers. Let me read some more to you about this word thousand. Thousand. Unlike cardinal numbers, which is one, two, three, four, five, that's a cardinal number. The word thousand is a noun, just like dozen, and needs a determiner. To function as a numeral or as a number. It is a noun. In order to function as a numeral, it has to have the or a thousand or an thousand. It has to have that. It has to have something that will determine or five or six or so forth. Now, a thousand can be used only also in plurals. It doesn't take S when preceded by determiner. A determiner is the, a, and, or a number. A number would be 5,000, 10,000, so forth. Now, let me read something else about this to you. So, 1,000. Listen to this. This is funny. This comes out of Theological Word Book of the Old Testament. It's uh, in the Old Testament... The word thousand is elep, or alop, A-L-L-U-P. It means chief, A-L-L-U-P. That's the word thousand in the Old Testament. Now, this sounds like a contradiction here, the way they start this. This numeral thousand, I said it wasn't a numeral. A feminine noun even in his book, Mr. Gleason Archer calls it a noun and a verb. If it's a verbal noun, that would be an infinitive. An infinitive is a noun when action is taken upon it.
And he goes on through that. Let me read on in here. Read you some more of these things. Where did millennium come from? You have the word, and let me read this. 99.9% of Christian scholars and students never seem to consider and blindly accept what others say these words mean as gospel. Talking about a thousand. They just accept it because a whole bunch of preachers said there's going to be a thousand year reign. Why they accept it? Nobody even studies it. The Greek words to be addressed in this preliminary study are the ones, this is by Ken Fortier. He's a scholar. The ones translated into our English language is thousand, thousand, singular, plural. These words are Greek terms that, in my opinion, are translated under the bias and or ideological philosophy of the one who's translating it. I've told you all the things I've studied on numbers. I don't believe the translating scholars knew anything about numbers. I just don't believe that. All that I've studied on it, they did not know that thousand was a noun. It wasn't an adjective describing how many deer ran through the forest. These Greek terms are kilios, kilioi, murios, murioi. Murios is where we say a myriad of, of uh, geese flew over the, over the forest. Well, it would mean many, many, many. The English spelling kilios, C-H-I-L-I-A-S, C-H-I-L-I-A-S. The word kilios pronounced kilios, a feminine noun, plural. Wow. It's not, it's a feminine noun. What does these Gentiles during this 2,000 year period have to do with feminine? What do they have to do with feminine? Oh, Gentile church. Oh, yes, that's feminine, isn't it? That's the wife, the bride of Christ. It's a noun, and it's feminine. It's a 2,000-year period. I've never heard anybody teach on this. This 1,000-year reign has bothered me since I was a boy. Sitting under my father and his friends teaching 1,000-year reign after this all over. What really bothered me, they put out papers back about 1950. My father was picking them up from this one publisher, and it have... Uh, headlines on the paper it was a fake paper but it had multitudes missing people disappearing from planes and automobiles automobiles and planes crashing everywhere and at the beginning of a rapture and everybody's saying what is this we don't know what's going on we're dumb uh, the leaders of the world are left and we got we're stupid we don't know what's happening that's insane Everybody would become believers at a disappearance, a disappearance of all these so-called millions of people. I don't believe in millions of people. Only few are going to find the narrow way, and it might be a hundred thousand. Millions are missing. And my father was passing out those papers, and I, I was looking at that going, I don't understand this. The thing, the verse that really puzzled me that he would read, he didn't know much about prophecy. But I hear him or one of these other people reading this. His verse, this verse is one that puzzled me. Verse 5 of this chapter right here. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. As a 14-year-old, that puzzled me. I was going, what? 
What do you mean there's a thousand-year reign? If there is a thousand-year reign, the first resurrection is the church, then we won't go out to meet the Lord till this thousand years is over with. And that's when he'll rapture us. But that's not true because he's going to take us out at the last trump when he conquers all of his enemies. Can y'all see that? There's so many holes in this pre-trib rapture. There's holes in this thousand-year reign. Just holes all in it. Why did they bring the thousand-year reign here? When J.N. Darby spun all of this back in the 1830s and brought it to America, the Americans said, well, since we live in a pre-trib rapture, we might as well take premillennialism all along with it. Premillennial. That means that we're going to be taken out before the millennium. We are in the so-called millennium in the 2,000 years right now. You say, Jim, it seems crazy. When you start defining these words in the parts of speech, that was crazy to me when I would hear these preachers preach on it in these independent Baptist churches. You guys are messed up. I'm looking at the camera. Those independent Baptists I was raised around, they, their heads are thicker than, a, than an asphalt out here in the parking lot. You can't get through to them by showing them these things. Let me read some more. Kilioi, C-H-I-L-I-O-I, C-H-I-L-I-O-I, Kilioi is plural, but you always got to think and remember that one thousand would be singular because of the any multiple of ten hundred thousand going to be a form of one one thousand would be like one dozen a dozen eggs is 12 but you don't have to say that be the same thing they didn't think like we think in the first century they didn't talk like we talk uh kilioi pronounced kilioi meaning thousands, and he goes on into that. Let me look at something else here, see if I want to read it to you. Most Greek scholars tell us, the ones we have talked to, our English language does not read as does the Greek. Did I think, do I believe that those translators messed up? Oh, yes, absolutely. All over the place. They were changing, they were changing masculine masculine uh, they were changing articles the feminine gender they were changing that into masculine gender pronouns how do you know that Jim a lot of times I'm checking out I get my interlinear Bible, I flip it over to the verse, and I find mistakes constantly in the King James Bible. I use the King James because it comes from the Texas Receptus. The Texas Receptus, I believe, is the true inspired Word of God. I've done a lot of messages on textual criticism but I believe that is the inspired word of God and uh, the Greek is on the top the English is right under it I don't even trust this English in the Texas Receptus I go to the Greek word I start looking it up and parsing guides and and 
start defining it and find out what part of speech it is, what tense it is, what mood it is, and I can find out something about it. I believe we're living, I believe the King James Bible, I use the King James because it comes from the correct text, but I believe the King James Bible is a confusion of tongues because we don't know what the words mean. I was telling a guy this morning that hadn't been here in 29 years, Tony, I was telling him about blood baptism. I said the word baptize, we don't know this. People don't know this. If you think you can hear this near the church, you can't. We don't know that baptize comes from baptizo and bapto. And what amazes me, you can pick this up and look in your Strong's Concordance and it will tell you this. It'll tell you baptizo means to cover. To cover. If you to cover something, it's not a dipping into something. It means the fluid comes from an outer source. To cover with a stain from dapto to stain and to die. Mr. Girdlestone, in his book, uh, he's got a book on Greek, and he says that the translators were puzzled when they come to the word baptized. They didn't know what to do with it because it was a noun. Well, they didn't know what to do with thousand either because it was a noun. But it had verbal character. The movement was not on the part of the person. It was the moral movement was on the part of the fluid to cover with a stain or die. And since it was a noun in the Greek, Mr. Girdlestone says, the translator did not know what to do with it. So what they did, they altered the word baptized. They took the last, the, the last vowel in it, substituted E for the O, and anglicized the word and put it over in the English Bible, the King James Bible, <clears throat> English Bible, and when you anglicize something, you turn it into an Anglo word. You hear Anglo-Saxon, that's the English people. You actually turn this word baptized into an English word. And when you do, they came up with baptized meaning to dip in water. That's not what that word means. It means to cover with a stain or die. He said they were puzzled, so they just changed the noun into a verb. Can you do that? A noun is a person, place, or thing. A verb, a verb shows action. You can't do that, but they did. And you can tell that to all the Baptists in America, all of the Church of Christ in America, it will ruin the Church of Christ doctrine. Ruin Because you can say to them, do you have to believe you have to be baptized to be saved? They say yes, and you say, I do too but not in water, in blood. He's washed us from our sins. Notice, he's washed us. He did the washing with his blood, in his own blood. If he did the washing, that has the same picture as an infinitive, as a verbal noun. Even Mr. 
Mr. Strong, when you look up baptize, he will say, baptizo, he'll say, baptizo, not being a verb implying motion. What he says in right here, just look up baptize. He'll say that. Not being a verb implying motion. Well, we are in trouble with our translation, aren't we? I believe in the Texas Receptus, but I do not believe in the English translation. I use an English Bible because it comes from the correct text. People say, why don't you say Yeshua instead of Jesus? Ignorant. Jesus' name was not not Yeshua. It was Iesus. That's the Greek translation for Yeshua. And if you're going to say Yeshua, why don't you just start teaching in the anti-Hebrew language and tell people you're going to have to learn Hebrew to listen to me. It's ridiculous. You can't take one word and translate it. So we're going to say Yeshua instead of Jesus. You're ignorant. That was Greek he lived in. It was a Greek world he lived in. And his name was Easus. E-A-S-O-U-S. Easus. That was his name. Good grief. Let me read some more about this uh, Kilia. Most Greek scholars tell us the ones we talk to, our English language does not read as does the Greek. Therefore, it is essential to be cautious in our dealings with the scripture phraseology and to remember that whereas we are accustomed to Western modes, we're in the West. The word Orient means East. The first Orientals were Israel. They're in the Middle East. We are called Occidentals. Occidentals. That's people in the West. We're in the Western Hemisphere. If this is where all life began, West of there would be the USA. So when we speak of the West, we mean us. Now, they were all Orientals, and the languages employed by them via the Greek did not and still do not lend themselves completely to modern Western terminology, i.e., our modern English. (laughs) That's why I define words constantly. The true sense has to be discovered by careful study. The context in which a term is used the parallel passages, if any, in corresponding terms and in corresponding wording, and similar oriental terms in classical biblical writings of the ancient Greeks of Jesus' day. Let's look at the Greek terms kilios and kilioi. Anytime you see oi, that's always plural on the end of war. Let's look at kilios and kilioi found in Strong's Dictionary attached to the concordance. We find him defining kilios as 8,000 or 1,000, which is correct as found in some translations of the scripture, but not correct as to its meaning, which is thousands, as to kilioi. He correctly defines it as thousands. However, when we look at Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament words, page 1300, we find that he defines kilios as our English word thousand and kilioi as thousands. These are correct definitions in his mind, but you really have no, you have to pay attention 
to how he acknowledges these definitions. What these two individuals say about these two terms also apply to the terms myrios, meaning myriad, a great number, and murioi, a plural adjective. They both agree that they mean myriad or myriads, both unaccountable and innumerable. Then he goes on down here to say, I have found in my research that when the term kilioi is used alone, it simply means thousands. The same occurs in Revelation 11, 3, 12 and 6, and 14 and 20. To let one know how many thousands are meant, it must be prefixed with a number or followed with a term depicting of what or how many. That's a determiner. Let's look at these occurrences as shown in the numbers. I'm not going to go through all of them. I've got so much information on this. And then if you go into where did this millennium come from? If you go into McClintock and Strong and you look up millenarian. Millenarian, I've looked it up. I've studied it. M-I-L-L-E. Millen. Narium, that's a person who believes in a thousand-year reign. Mr. Augustine says that the Jews wanted their own personal private kingdom, and they came up with this idea of a thousand-year reign after this is over with. And the church has adopted that, and it doesn't make any sense according to a King James Bible when you start getting into the word thousand. Now, let me show you some other things on this word thousand. I don't believe the translators do. I think I'm as smart as they are. I believe I could translate as well as they could if I had if I'd had a, as much Greek as they could. I believe I I believe the compromise came between the Catholics and the half of them were Catholics and half of them were Protestants. And I believe it, there's a lot of error in the King James Bible. The King James Bible is not the inspired word of God. The Texas Receptus is. The Greek text. But who wants to study it? Well, we're satisfied by our English Bible. It's been good to us so far. Yeah, it sure has. You haven't ever committed to Christ, have you? Now, now let me do this. Let me give you some examples of why we need to understand this. Now, we can see in Revelation 20, that thousand is the 2,000-year period where the Gentiles will not be deceived. The only place in history where they won't be deceived, from Acts 2, when the Lord says, I'll pour out my, of my spirit on all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. All of these people were forbidden from having the truth from Adam all the way to Jesus. God picked out a particular lineage, Adam, all the way down through Seth, his son, through Enosh and Canaan, Mahalalel, and, and uh, Jared, and then into uh, Enoch, Lamech, and Noah. That's God's lineage, all the way to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And because Israel kept going after all these tree goddesses and sun gods over here while they were a nation, God says, I'm going to blind your eyes and call my people by another name, Gentile church. That's why Isaiah says over here, he's constantly talking about 
how that God's going to open the eyes of the Gentiles, bring them to the light, and let them see. That won't happen till Acts 2. That time period that the Gentiles can't be saved is not a thousand-year reign. It's right now during our time period. I'm a Gentile, and I can see the truth. You're a Gentile here. We don't have any Jews here of lineage. We're all Gentiles here, and we can see and hear the truth, can't we? That's what that's talking about, that Satan will be bound away from the church to keep from deceiving the Gentile elect during this 2,000-year period. Can y'all get a hold of that? Is that somewhat plain? I hope. I believe all this error that's going on in the church has caused the downfall of the church. All this will accept whatever some emotional guy comes along, jumps up and down, says, Shandalamanda Kondai, and say he's speaking in tongues. No, he's not. He's lying. He's lying. Two words for tongue, dialectos and glossa. Glossa means foreign language. Dialectos is our word dialect, and there was a different dialect of the corne, the common street language in every city state. They said, how here we ever man in our own dialect wherein we were born. Why is it I'm the only guy that's ever quoted that and can see that? I don't know. They were hearing a miracle of the year. Just God delivers from idiots. We got pulpits full of fools. Now let me show you. You have to understand that about thousand to understand what I'm going to say here. This thousand, there's, there are, let me give you something here. I don't even know where to go here. All right. Then he'll be little. Not after. Not after. It doesn't say after. It says meta with. At the end of time, do you think Satan is loose right now? Is he loose now? Is he loosed on the world? He'll never be able to deceive us. We're Gentiles. We're the eth- the ethnos. Is he loosed on the world? Are we in the apostasy? Isn't that the loosening? The day of the Lord will not come except to come a falling away apostasis. Stasis means to stand upright. Aspo means a removal. This is the word falling away in the Greek. Apostasis. It means a removal of standing upright. From stasis, we get staros, the word cross. There's been a removal of the daily cross in the pulpits of America. The Satan being loosed is not some evil dragon-looking person breathing fire. Satan speaks smooth words and deceives, doesn't he? Isn't that what he did in the garden? Eve, let me tell you something. You'll not surely die. You'll be as God. It's good words and fair speeches is the evil that Satan is released into. It's not some fire-breathing dragon with this evil look in his eye and his eyes are on fire like some crazy movie. That's not what's evil. What's evil is flattering words. And it's led the world astray. And I believe, I believe we're in this little season of Satan. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I believe we're in it. I don't believe there's anything in the world more evil than what we're experiencing in America today. It's pride, it's self, no daily cross, no death to self. It's all about me. They had that in the 70s, the me generation. 
It's all about me. If it feels good, do it. That was kind of a start in the 60s when the hippies came on the scene and they were free love, free sex, free uh, drugs. Everything is free. Do what you want to do if it feels good. No. Crucify self. Evil does not come in the form of Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey was the head of the Church of Satan in California. He had a widow's peak and he had a had a, a Dracula collar on. Now tell me that's going to fool people. Not going to fool anybody, is it? No. Anton LaVey and Satanists are not our problem. You think you think drawing a pentagram on the ground or in a circle in one of their and putting the horns of Satan up here and putting his beard down here uh, that this is going to fool some believers that's not deceptive to us is it we're not going to run down the street and decide to become a Satanist are we after we believe in predestination no the thing that's got the, the most evil thing in the world that's going on is all of this false doctrine these good words and fair speeches this witchcraft going on huh Billy Graham was was a witch. Remember the word witch is the word cuffs off. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. In the Old Testament, cuffs off means to whisper, to speak softly. That's what Satan did. Everybody has been fooled into believing that Satanism is in the form of somebody evil and cackling going, ah, <laughs> it's not evil. Does that fool anybody here? People that believe in Satanism, people that believe in demons, they got the, they fool themselves because that's what they're looking for for evil. They're not looking for preachers in pulpits around the world that's speaking. God loves you and He wants you to have everything that you want. Remember, daemonion means to distribute fortunes, and the way you do that, you charm people. And you pretend you're going to distribute to them, and you don't. You distribute it to yourself. The love of money is the root of all evil. And when a person loves money, I have been connected to a lot of con men in the world, especially in the music business and in, and in real estate. I have been around con artists. They all talk soft, smooth. That's the evil of the world. That's what's coming from the pulpits. We're looking for the wrong thing when we're looking for the devil to come out breathing fire. It's not it. It's smooth talk that deceives the church. Huh? That's right. They kill with the eye. That's it. The word serpent in Genesis 3 and 1 is the word nalkosh. It means to kill with the eye. It is connected to covetousness. It means to enchant or to charm. That's the word serpent in Genesis 3 and 1. It means to be charming. When If you've been connected with a con man, they don't fool you by breathing fire, getting that red look in their eye that you see in some movie, special effects movie. That don't mean nothing. Forget that. Satan is loose now in the pulpits of America. And I don't believe there's any more evil than that. 
I don't believe Muslims are more evil than a Baptist preacher that won't tell the truth about salvation. If they say you have to accept Christ when you can't, and if the Baptists say you got to pray a sinner's prayer when you can't, when you're dead in sin, how can that be worse than some Muslims saying you got to do good works to go to heaven? It's it's not worse. Now, I was going to show you some other things, and it has when you look at the context. Look here in Revelation eleven. Two and three. Revelation 11. 11. I'll read one, two, and three. Verse one. How much time do I have, Mike? All right. There was given me a reed like a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. This was in 96 A.D., you got to look at everything in the context of Scripture. What's evil is smooth talk. Good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. All right. People are looking for something that looks evil. They're looking for Satan to be loosed on the world and and start doing a lot of evil things. There'll be some evil being done. I don't believe America's any more righteous than any other country in the world just because we call ourselves a Christian nation because what's coming from the pulpit, from the preacher's mouth, is not truth. It's got people fooled. All right. Now, there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel said, so this is a measuring stick. The word is kalamas. That's the word read. It means something you measure with. K-A-L-A-M-O-S. It's a measuring stick. And I think of Zechariah, the second chapter, when I read this. Zechariah, the second chapter. Given to me a read saying, rise and measure the temple of God. Now, wait a minute. What's the temple of God? Thank you, John. John said us. If we're the temple of God, what happened to the other temple? Huh? It has, by this time, when John wrote this in 96 A.D., the temple of the Jews in 70 A.D., when it was torn down by Titus, the Roman Roman general, son of Vespasian, came in to slaughter all the Jews. Well, that's not when the temple was destroyed. Go back to Jesus' crucifixion. When Jesus was crucified and he was nailed to the cross, that's when all the rituals of the Jewish temple were nailed to the cross. So it doesn't mean anything over here. When you're in 96 A.D. and John is talking about the temple of God, what does the Bible say about who the temple is? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the temple of God, aren't they? And then he says, measure the temple of God, that's us, and the altar, and them that worship in this temple, which temple we are. You can find that in the third chapter of 
1 Corinthians is the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians. We're the temple of God. Look over here in Zechariah. You find the same thing happening over here in Zechariah. Zechariah. I don't apologize for giving you all that about millennium. I just don't believe in that. I, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Over here in Zechariah, the second chapter. What this man is doing is measuring the people that are in the temple. It'll be how many people are believers, how many are God's elect is what he's doing. And he says the same thing in Zechariah. Zechariah, the second chapter. Here's the angel of God. I lifted up mine eyes again and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his sand and said. Now this is in 520 B.C. The Jews were in captivity here. And then I, then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem. He's not talking about going over to measure literal Jerusalem because it was leveled into the ground at this time. There was no temple over there. There was no Ark of the Covenant. So this man is measuring the spiritual temple of God, which is Jerusalem, which is in captivity in Babylon. To see what is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. Behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. It'll be towns, not one town, but many towns. And Jerusalem is over there in Babylon. For the multitude of men and cattle therein, for I saith the Lord will be unto her a wall of fire. I'm going to protect her while she's in Babylon. The Persian Empire is ruling here in Zechariah at this time. It's around 520 B.C. Zechariah started prophesying in 520. Prophesied for three years until the temple was nearly finished. For I saith the Lord will be a wall of fire round about and will be a glory in the midst of her. Ho, ho, which is a cry of woe. Come forth and flee from the land of the north. Zechariah is saying, flee from Babylon, come back and build the temple of God. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith the Lord. Deliver thyself, O Zion. Zion is the mountain on which the temple sat. But that was in Jerusalem. But they're not in Jerusalem, they're over here in Babylon, here in this book. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. A daughter was a city. You're over there in the city of Babylon, dwelling with her. Deliver yourself. Get out of there. And they've been given decrees up to this point to leave and go back to Israel to rebuild the temple. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations, which spoiled you and carried you away into captivity, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of my eye. The word apple is the word baba. It means pupil. You're punching me in the eye when you touch my people, Babylon. Baba. Pupil. You punch me in the eye. I'm going to say any more on that. I can talk half the night about it. Go back to Revelation 11. But the court which is outside the temple, that seems to be 
crazy language. It's not. He's talking about spiritual Israel and spiritual Jerusalem there. Measure everybody that is predestinated elect inside God's temple. And outside of Jerusalem, you had two sections. You had the temple here, and this is where the priests ministered. They had a, an enclosed area here, and they had gates here that, that the priests could go in. But over here, you had a section that was added. Over here, it was called the Gentile court. Or it was called the women's court. And God is saying, I'm only measuring people who are inside my temple, which is us. He said, the Gentiles are not being measured here. He said, they're not going to be measured. They'll be measured when you get over here to Revelation. But the court which is outside the temple, leave out. Measure it not. These people, as far as Scripture is concerned, was not in the temple of God. Just the Jews. Just the spiritualism. Just the church. Then he says, for it is given unto the Gentiles... And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now, that's very important. The holy city. What is the holy city? Huh? What's the holy city? Us. That's what it is. It's us. Because... In this same chapter, look what God calls the literal Jerusalem in verse 8. Speak of the two witnesses, which is the priest and king, which is us. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, in verse 8, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So he's calling literal Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt. They wouldn't be the holy city, would they? No, would not. In fact, when you look over here in Revelation 21, verse 1, and I saw new heaven and new earth. Remember, heaven was the ruling class and the earth was the rule. In the Old Testament, the heavens was Israel. They were ruling everybody as long as they were obedient to God. If you follow my commandments, you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways and it don't matter how many there are on the other side. So when God says, I'll bring new heavens and new earth in 65th chapter of Isaiah, the new heavens is the new ruling class, and that'll be the church. Does that mean we're going to be literal kings sitting on a throne? No, we will rule with a scepter of righteousness. We'll rule the world when we, when we espouse the Bible to them and tell them truth. And they'll cow down and back on, hey, I don't like you. I don't believe what you're saying. I like my Christmas, and I don't believe in predestination. And we rule them with God's word. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Here's the holy city right here. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. This is, this is a picture of new birth is what it's a picture of. Because you go back over here to Revelation, the third chapter, verse 12, says the same thing as it's saying right here. Verse 12, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. 
and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. That's the church, isn't it? The Bible says this over in Hebrews. Look over here in Hebrews. Hebrews 12. I'll get it in a minute. Hebrews 12. Now here's the holy city right here. Hebrews 12, 22. But you're coming to Mount Zion. It's a spiritual Mount Zion. It's not a literal Mount Zion. Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the holy city. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. We're the firstborn. The firstborn was, was the inheritor of a kingdom. That we be the firstborn. So, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now go back over here to Revelation 20. Not Revelation 20. Revelation 11. Excuse me. So, the holy city is the church. The church shall be trodden underfoot 40 and 2 months. 42 months is half of seven years. 42 months is one half of seven years. And that's expressed in other places, a thousand, one thousand, two hundred and three score days. A score is 60, a score is 20, three score is 60. So 1260 days is one way to express 42 months. On a 360-day Jewish calendar, Jewish calendar, half, one half of seven years is 1,260 days, which is the same thing as 42 months. Now, 42 months could be half of a 365-day year, seven years. But it's not because of the context of the 1,203 score days, 1,260 days. This has to take you back to Revelation, or not Revelation, Daniel 9.27. has to take you back to there. That's where this 1,000 comes in. The context is that it's coupled with 203 score. The fact that it's coupled with this, that's what you call context of this thousand right here. So it'll tell you that. You keep on reading. Keep on reading. And I'll give power unto my two witnesses, which is the church. It's the priest and the king. It's the two that stand before the God of the before the God of the whole earth over there in Zechariah, the fourth chapter. 
It's the two anointed ones. The two anointed ones is the priest and the king. And that's us. God has made us priests and kings. Do I have any time, Mike? Ten. Gosh, I'm not going to get into this. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. What does clothed in sackcloth mean? It means we're mourning. There's going to be a seven-year period that's going to be divided into two sections. That's where the people come up with this pre-trib rapture. They say, say God's going to rapture us out before this seven-year tribulation starts. No, he's not. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Tribulation. The first half of it will be a time of peace. And then the church will be attacked in the last... The, I don't mean the Baptist church. Now, I don't mean the Church of Christ or the Pentecostal Church. The called out of God, those of us that are making a noise and a racket, calling down all these preachers, they'll probably come to me and send a cease and desist order if they come up and change the laws of the Constitution and say, from now on we've got a new amendment, you cannot run anybody down, call them, defame their character like you do Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and and uh, T.D. Jakes and and Creflo Dollar and all those other guys and Kenneth Copeland. You can't run them down. They've already got that law in the in the British Empire. I can't go on TV in Canada and say Kenneth Copeland is a liar. I can't hear, but I can't there. I can't say that on TV in England or Scotland or Ireland or Australia or Canada. These are all part of the British Commonwealth. They've got that law there. They're already moving. The evil of Satan is already moving in the world. This is not the world that I was born and raised in in the 40s and the 50s. It's gone way off the deep end. You used to hear some preachers preaching hard. People would see me in there and say, you yell too loud, you yell too much. Maybe somebody needs to yell at you to get your attention especially if you're a believer. We're living in some strange time. Where do this 1,203 score days come from? Go back over here to Daniel 9. <clears throat> the reason you have to accept 1,000, there we're talking about 1,203 score days, because that's half of seven years, and it's coupled with 203 score, 60 which is half of seven years on a 360-day Jewish calendar. When you go back here to Daniel 9, I have taught on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I probably I had one 18-month series that I did on Sunday morning. Then I've done about three or four other series on it. And then I'll come up and say these things. I believe the 70 weeks of Daniel is going to take us right close to the end of time or at to, to the very end. Uh, we're talking about 1,203 score days. That's what you call context. The context there has to do with 1,000. Now, it doesn't say A, 1,203, because A is not in the Greek language. It just says 1,203 score days. But the fact that it's coupled with 203 score means it has to be a singular 
thousand. That's what the context means. Now look back over here at Daniel. And I'm going to get people that call me and email me. You don't know nothing. You're this and that. And they studied the Bible for six or eight months or a year. Now I've been studying the 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964. That's when I started studying it. I heard about it since I was a little boy in the early 50s at these fellowship meetings that we used to have in them independent Baptist churches. Never heard anybody that knew anything about it. Daniel 9. This is where the 1260 days come from. This is why this has to be 1,000. It has to be singular, 1,000. As opposed to the 2,000 where the Gentiles are not seduced in the last 2,000 years. That's when God pours out of his spirit on all flesh instead of the one flesh. When the Bible says God is going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh, that's because in the Old Testament, only one flesh got the truth. That was all those descendants of Adam through Noah, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, up to Christ. And then God blinds their eyes in the 19th chapter of Luke and opens the eyes of the Gentiles in Acts 2, and they're not blinded till the end of time. The figures that these guys come up with on the other stuff is crazy. In Daniel 9, in verse 27, the man of sin, when he shall, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, or for the 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks, and in the middle of the week, he will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the middle of this week, after 1260 days, got 1260 days on the front of it, 1260 days at the end of it, or 42 months and 42 months. Will we go along peacefully in the middle of the week? The man of sin or whoever's running the world at that time, it can be an amalgamation of the president, the head of the world system that they put together. It's not going to be everybody's going to be holding hands in one religion. You're not going to make the Muslims become Roman Catholics and the Baptists become Muslims. It's going to be have to be like it was originally with Roman Catholicism. There's going to be an edict of toleration. Everybody's going to tolerate each other. If you want to tolerate, you'll be considered a friend of the world or a friend of the world ruling system, which will be the beast. And if you don't, you're going to be considered an enemy. And the church is going to be attacked according to Daniel 7, the 13th chapter of Revelation. The church will go under attack for those last three and a half years. And he says here, he will cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease for three and a half years. What is the temple of God? That's us, isn't it? What is the sacrifice? It is what's offered on this daily. It was a lamb offered daily. We are lambs to the slaughter. It will be us offered as a sacrifice. Here's the brazen sea. And the bread offering was the showbread. That was the table of showbread. And the priest ate the bread. Well, what's the bread now? We being many are one bread and one body. The church is the bread. And the sacrifice is death to self. The daily cross. You'll be forbidden to go out in public and say things that will cause people to crucify you. 
We're going to get along. We're going to have a peaceful world. That's what's going to happen. That's why the 1,203 score days, the context of that means the half a week of Daniel, 70 weeks under a 360-day Jewish calendar. I'm going to say this over and over till somebody comes up to me and says, Jim, I'm beginning to see this. I believe the church is going to go under attack because of what we're saying here. What we're saying, the world does not believe. They look at me real strange when I got on that T-shirt that says, God does not love everybody. They go, what in the world does that mean? I got on that shirt that says, most people are going to hell when they die. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything. That's what Jesus says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few are going to find this straight and narrow way. Narrow is the same word as tribulation. You've got to be in tribulation to go to heaven. The reason you're going to go into tribulation is the church is going to be under attack for 1,260 days or 42 months or what they call a time and times and half a times. I'm out of time. Time, times, and half a times. That's three and a half years. It's the same thing as 1260 days or 42 months. And we will go under, I don't know how it's going to come about, but it's going to come about smooth. They're going to come to us with, I may get a, I know what it's like to get a cease and desist order for preaching. I know what it's like. It's happened to us when we were meeting in my house and people were parking all up and down the street and they were blocking driveways. And one morning, about five police officers come walking in my back door downstairs. Man, we had it packed. And people were sitting all up and down the steps. You couldn't get anybody else in. And they were blocking paths. And the police come in and said, you're going to have to meet somewhere else. And they sent me a cease and desist order. We could get a cease and desist order saying we've changed the Constitution any day. And the church could go under attack. I don't mean they'll come in here and start beating us up and hit us with hatchets and hammers and and uh, torturing us. We'll be told not to preach what we're preaching because it goes against the grain of America, doesn't it? When I talk to people in public, that woman that walked up to me and at the doctor's office, she, and I had her on this shirt, and she says, most people are going to hell when they die. She's in her late 70s, probably not far from my age. She said, most people are going to hell when they die. I said, you act like I said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And everybody in the doctor's office listened to me. The nurses were listening. One, one of the nurses says, is that lady getting mad? She's selling. She's mad. I said, she was mad. She didn't like what this shirt says. And I said, Jesus, said, I took that opportunity to witness to the the nurses, I've talked to them a hundred times and wear all these shirts and they see it. I know that they're reading my shirts, the nurses. You know how I know? Because they'll read the ones out loud and say, that's really good, that's really true. One that says, uh, a Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. And I've had several comments from the nurses over there on that. That's really true, does it? That's really true that if your Bible's falling apart, you've been studying it a lot. And I said, yeah, that's true. But they don't read the ones that's real convicting. <laughs> so I know they're reading my shirts. And I get a lot of thunder for that. Don't be surprised if we're given a cease and desist order someday. 
And I come in here and some police come and say, Mr. Brown, if you don't stop, we're going to carry you off to a holding place. And they'll take me off and lock me up somewhere. I'm not saying that to be sad. I'm saying this has to happen if these words are true, if the church is attacked, the temple of God is attacked. If you don't look at it spiritually, you can't understand any of this, can you? I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to understand your book. I pray for the church. You'll strengthen them. Release your elect, Lord. Fight our battles for us. Lord, I pray for the people here that you'll convict their hearts to live right, live for you. Give them strength to witness. We'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I believe Satan is out there now. Yeah. Well, they'll kill you in Arabia for owning a Bible. They'll kill you over there. If they catch you with one, they're liable to execute you. It's, uh, I don't believe there's anything more evil than twisting the Word of God than a Baptist preacher up here at first. Are you leaving? Well, I love you. <laughs> Uh, I don't think anything's more evil than a preacher twisting the word of God. I don't think a drunk or a drug dealer is more evil than that. Because they're leading people astray, perverting God's word. And I don't believe in that. God is going to deal with this nation. It'll be after they start persecuting us as believers. That's the only way I can see this. I don't see that they're going to get guns and come in here and shoot us. They make, it's made the whole church real nervous when they walked in over there on Irvin that Sunday morning just as we're closing. Boy, they were nervous. Some of them quit and walked away and didn't come back. And they were, it's a very strange feeling to have police come and say, you got to stop meeting here. Very strange. It's going to get worse. Well, if people want to know what, and they were doing it in the name of the law, and they believed they were right, and they were as far as the law, you can't gather together in a house and block driveways. But it just showed me how nervous people could be over police stopping the preaching. That's when we moved up here. I looked around, kept looking for a place to meet, and we found this place. It's going to get worse. It will get worse and worse and worse. That's what the Bible says. I know that's not fun to think of that. You're thinking of that little girl. You got to keep teaching her truth. Yeah, you got to learn it and teach her. Well, I love you guys. So, so Satan is loosed right now. Huh? He's loosed now. Yeah. Because his doctrine here. The doctrine is, it's, his doctrine is here. It's in the pulpits. There's nothing more evil than a Baptist preacher twisting the Word of God. There ain't nothing that evil. Anton LaVey wasn't that evil. Anton LaVey wasn't fooling anybody. I don't know if you ever saw him. You can look him up on the Internet. He's dead.